0: This week in Revolt Black News, we go in on colorism. From yellow bone to red bone, the culture knows there's a bone of contention when it comes to how all of us see each other. But the culture also knows that black is not just a color, it's a celebration. That's why Solange says, my skin is my logo. That's why Wale says, sue me, I'm rooting for everybody black. And that's why so many of us say we're not just black, we're blackity black, black, black. That's right, from politics to music, to Hollywood where Viola Davis said of our late, great, iconic Cicely Tyson, you made me feel loved and seen and valued in a world where there is a cloak of invisibility for us chocolate girls. So look y'all, our melanin makes us all so very special. So it's time for us to stop the white supremacist divide of colorism and time for us all to shine and thrive. Welcome to Revolt Black News. I'm your host, Ebony K. Williams. And this week I'm coming to you live from Revolt's Los Angeles studios because it's Black History Month, right? Now look y'all, this week you have definitely either heard or been a part of some heavy, important conversations about colorism. But y'all know this ain't nothing new, right? We've been about this. uh, White supremacy has given us colorism and sadly it's not gone away. But especially when it comes to music and entertainment, colorism remains a very big deal. Is something that's been talked about in our community, lived in our community for a very long time. But now we're gonna talk about what we can do about it. So joining me to discuss the issue of colorism in our industry, the always outspoken and extremely talented, you know, from Hollywood unlocked Jason Lee. What's up, Jason?
1: Hey, what's going on?
0: What's going on? Also with us, she's a senior writer at The Grio. She also co-hosts Hollywood Unlock with Jason. Welcome to the show, Queen, Blue Taluzma. Hey, Ebony, thank you for having me, love. Thank you. Um, you know, I wanted to discuss this uh, with the two of you specifically. Um, you both know I have great admiration for what y'all do in the space and the way you show up and lead our culture and community. Um, but the three of us all have very different views and experiences when it comes to colorism. and. I just want to start and level set this conversation with one of the things that I hate when I see conversations in the culture about colorism is a lot of times, um, and I'm just going to say very plainly some of the titles, the most recent Red Table talk that discussed the issue, I saw like a bunch of light-skinned women really talking about the issue. And um, while there's definitely a place for uh, lighter-skinned Black people to really be important in this colorism conversation, in order for it to be effective and have integrity to me, um, you really need to have a multifaceted uh conversation that allows people from all points of authority on the issue to have their say um so i just want to uh, say that i have a lot of respect for everybody a part of this conversation today with that uh we all saw the clip that went viral recently uh the dream uh speaking out just a couple of days ago about defending himself as to his role in what was uh what was seen as complicit uh behavior from him during when rick ross had the competition reality show called sign this was back in 2017 Uh, we all remember that clip of one of the talents uh, i believe her name was Brittany, and she was seen as preferable to the darker skinned sister her name i believe was kaya uh we remember that it's reeked of colorism black twitter went uh all in calling it colorism Jason Lee, what did you think about that clip? Was it colorism? And what do you think about the Dream and Rick Ross and the role that a lot of hip hop artists play in colorism?
2: I mean, first, let me just say I appreciate you inviting me back to the show. I always love being here. Colorism is such a difficult conversation to unpack. It's a problem that we didn't start, but yet it's a problem that we participate in and promote. We know that the industry, in, in large part, the hip hop industry has done this for many years, right? whether it's on Jay-Z's boat in Big Pimpin' or here, it's been, it's permeated the industry for years. Even with Danny Lay and the whole Yellow Bird song or Yellow Bone or whatever, people are tone deaf. Call that girl a yellow bird, Jason Lee? Yellow bird. People are are tone deaf to the words that they use. I've had to learn in my own journey, certain conversations, you know, although I say what I mean and mean what I say, you know, There's some things you just got to say in uh, in an extended form so that way people don't miss, don't take it the wrong way. But even then, people still take it how they take it.
3: Um, Hip hop is blatantly colorist and misogynist, right? I think nobody who loves hip hop can deny that. Um, But I think in the same way that racism didn't start with George Floyd, right? But suddenly, because of George Floyd, we were willing to have more honest conversations about racism. So for me, the clip from 2017 now becoming popular isn't about how new the clip was, or if we just found out that colorism exists in hip hop, it's the fact that the audience is finally ready to examine the topic with fresh eyes. And that's why you're gonna see us actually probably revisiting a lot of other clips that we once like kind of shrugged at and being like, wait a minute, that's been really colorist the whole time. And I think there's some people in hip hop who benefited from us not calling them out, who have a day of reckoning coming and should be really careful. I think Rick Ross might be the first, but he won't be the, the last person called to task about old clips that are surfacing.
2: But yeah. Ebony, let's be Ebony. clear. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. We we live in a world where everything is clickbait driven. Everything is numbers yeah. driven, views driven. How many people are hearing it, right? More people listen to Yellowbird, more people watch rewatch this video than ever before because we're talking about it. This is free press and promo. They're not paying for this. They are getting a free press run out of controversy. And guess what? Women, you're complicit because you're going to keep showing up on those call sheets. You're going to keep showing up to get that bag no matter whether or not other dark-skinned women are in the room or not because you're not going to be in a place of courage to stand up for yourself or other women. Because I know Tiffany Haddish, when she walks on the set, she'll call everybody out. Where are the black people? Where are the people that look like me in here? And if they're not doing that in their industry, how do you expect it to change? Us talking about it, we're not going to change it.
3: I agree with that because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Uh, there's never one type of a person, right? There's some light-skinned women who love that they benefit from light-skinned privilege and will uphold it because they have their own internalized misogyny and they need that. But then there are like skinned women like my friends who were the ones who were the maddest about things like Danny Ye- Lay's yellow uh, bone. All my friends who complained about that song were all Danny Lay's color because they were like, she's making us look bad. This is exactly why when I run into certain types of people, they're worried that I'm just like her. I'm pissed off that she's making us look bad. So there are two types of women. Ebony, they're the kind of like you who would say something like, yo, I don't wanna be complicit. But to Jason's point, there are some women who not only understand colorism, but actually like that they benefit from it and get a bit of a kick when they know that they're gonna have a leg up because of their complexion.
2: You know, I don't think that the black community is really ready to eradicate colorism because we're too busy pitting each other against each other. Light is. Right, dark is bad. Light people think they have more privilege over black people. I've never once told nobody that I felt I had privilege. I don't know Blue's experience as a darker-skinned black woman, but I have a sister, darker, two sisters darker than Blue. Right, one who was a very Mm -hmm. successful doctor who went to, who was in the Air Force, who went to, you know, very white universities, and you know, left valedictorian at one and was at the top of her class in another.
3: Jason might not be the person who is advocating against colorism by having a picket, you know, sign in front of him, but he's creating platforms where we can have these conversations. And so I think Jason, you might not be giving yourself enough credit because there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? There's more than one way to dismantle something. On Hollywood Unlocked, we've talked about colorism where I've been giving a platform to speak as a brown skinned black woman. And I've gotten hundreds of letters from viewers who watched the show who were just happy to have a platform that they could see where they could see me reflected. So even that is actually you being against dismantling colorism, right? Like it's it's you against colorism and dismantling the problem. So you don't always have to be pitting yourself against someone to dismantle something. You're actually already doing it by creating these platforms. And I think a lot of folks, because they think it's heavy, they're like, I don't want no part of it, but there are easier quieter ways that are more organic that you can do your part. And some of you already are doing your part, but not recognizing that.
0: I think that's a a perfect point to end on blue and jason we all black we all family we all got love um and we appreciate you here at revolt black news for being honest and and sharing in in your truths thank you for that um we know it's controversial we know it's a hard subject but we appreciate your time all right y'all Now we've got more show on the way but first uh we have to talk about the fact that we lost an icon this week the late great cicely tyson yes the dear iconic cicely tyson passed away at the age of 96. Miss Tyson, the award-winning actress, was a matriarch for the culture and our community, and she paved the way for so many, both on and off screen. She will be greatly missed, and here is her legacy as it lives on. Why is it some days everything works out, and some days nothing works out, huh? I guess the good Lord is with me today. <laughs> I wonder why the Lord isn't with us every day. It
4: would be so nice if you want, no? Huh?
0: Yeah. Born in 1924, pre-civil rights era, Cicely Tyson spent more than 70 plus years as a trailblazer in both the fashion world and across the silver screen. Her roles were and are iconic. It's not that Miss Tyson was good and it's not that she was great. It's that she was excellent. She epitomized black excellence. She won a SAG Award, an Honorary Academy Award, three Emmys, a Tony at the age of 88, a Peabody Award, and received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Obama. Now, Ms. Tyson might be gone, but she will never be forgotten. Her work, the work of a beautiful chocolate woman, will stand the test of time. And it's not just what Ms. Tyson said on the screen. It's what her work says for little brown-skinned girls off the screen. Cicely Tyson, icon, legend, matriarch. Rest in power, Queen. We love you. I am alive because of the blood of people who never scraped or begged or apologized for what they were. Black is just.
5: God bless you all, thank you, thank you, thank you.
6: What's going on, Revo? It's Bree Harmon here to give you this week's headlines. Senate party leaders, Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell have agreed to terms so that the Democrats, the majority party can officially take lead over congressional committees. Let's take a look.
2: I am happy to report this morning that the leadership of both parties have finalized the organizing resolution for the Senate. We will pass the resolution through the Senate today, which means that committees can promptly set up and get to work with Democrats holding the gavels. For the information of the Senate, The Democratic Caucus has announced its committee memberships for the next two years. I'm confident our members are ready to hit the ground running on the most important issues that face our country.
6: In other Senate news, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer swore in Sinceria Ann Barry, the first African-American woman to hold the Secretary of Senate position. Barry will be the eighth woman to hold the position. And earlier this week, the Biden administration announced a $230 million deal with Australian company Alum for over-the-counter COVID tests. Here's the White House COVID-19 advisor Andy Slavitt with more.
7: I want to start with an exciting announcement. The Department of Defense and HHS made an announcement today at what will be the country's first over-the-counter at-home COVID test.
6: Bloomberg is reporting that more Americans have received their first dose of the coronavirus vaccine than actual positive tests. The reports say 26.5 million Americans have gotten their first stage inoculation, while 26.3 million Americans have tested positive. We hope the numbers continue in a promising direction. And in terms of getting enough Americans vaccinated, here's Dr. Anthony Fauci forecasting the numbers so the country can return to normal.
8: It's going to be a cohort effect. And what I mean by a cohort effect, Don, is that you can't look at yourself in a vacuum, like I'm vaccinated, and then when can we get back to normal? Well, normal is a societal thing. So what we mean, if you want our society to get back to normal, you have to get about 70 to 85 percent of the population vaccinated.
6: And the NAACP Image Awards announced its nominees for this year's 52nd annual award show. Set to simulcast on March 27th, Netflix had an enormous showing with 51 nominations that included the acclaimed series, Bridgerton, which is my favorite, and hit films, The Five Bloods, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. We congratulate all the nominees. The NAACP Image Awards also announced their nominees for the Social Justice Impact Award, which include April Ryan, Debbie Allen, LeBron James, Stacey Abrams, and Revolt Black News Family, Tamika Mallory. Congratulations to all of them on their nominations, and most importantly, their hard work. And the Social Justice Impact Award wasn't the only award Stacey Abrams was nominated for recently. Earlier this week, Ms. Abrams was nominated for the 2021 Nobel Peace Prize Award for promoting nonviolent change via the ballot box despite running and losing her Georgia governor race in 2018. Stacey Abrams has been showing us that wins don't just come in the form of election outcomes. Wins also come in our daily work. Abrams, who founded Fair Fight Action, made it her mission to register thousands of voters across the state of Georgia, leading to two blue Senate seats and flipping the state in the general election. We applaud Stacey and everyone doing the work when no one is watching. And President Barack Obama announced that the Obama Presidential Center will break ground in Chicago later this year. The center set to open on the South Side, where the Obama story famously began, will provide jobs and economic opportunities for South Side
0: residents. Let's take a look.
6: And lastly, in sports, I know we are all ready for the Super Bowl this Sunday. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks will face defending champ Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday at Super Bowl 55. This will be Mahomes' second appearance and Tom Brady's 10th. Do we expect the GOAT to do his thing once again, or will Mahomes bring an upset? Here's a quick look.
7: I think the one thing you have to understand is that the game, is it's never going to be over. Um, uh, knowing uh, the two teams uh, that are playing, uh, neither teams to give up until that the, that clock hits zero and, and the score is the score. Um, and so uh, I think during the game, just knowing that you're going to have to battle to the very end of the game is something that you have to understand going into this one
6: and that's it for this week's headlines we're taking a quick break and then rodney rakai moderates a panel about award season's recent nominees more revolt black news after this
9: hey what's going on good people it's your guy rodney rakai listen award season is officially descended upon us so that means we have to have a conversation we got to talk y'all because there's a lot going on we got to talk about the naacp image awards as well as the golden globe nominations and the glaring difference between those two entities a lot to talk about so i had to bring in some good brothers to converse with us uh he is the senior editor of very smart brothers brother panama jackson how you doing my man
7: i'm great man thanks for having me
9: absolutely thank you so much for being here also joining us is filmmaker marawi garima who was nominated for a spirit award for his film residue uh, a film that i had a chance to see uh, in 2020 man it was absolutely amazing made me feel like i missed Chocolate City, the real DC. Congratulations on the film and the nomination, brother. How you doing today?
4: Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm feeling great, man. Thank you for having me.
9: Yeah, yeah. This is unintentionally a very DMV conversation. We all have uh, DC ties. We all went to HBCU. So brothers, let's get into it. So let's start with some of the positives this award season the naacp image awards is representing us in a way that i love to see is full of blackness uh they had an amazing rollout on instagram did, did any of you guys get to see how the nominees uh were represented on on instagram yeah i got a chance to
7: check it out i thought it was awesome you know chloe bailey and anika noni rose and um forget the brother's name from p valley but and uh you know sinclair i mean not not sinclair but Maxson, um, max and kyle up there no i need to call my brother i thought it was though i thought it was an interesting way it's very 2021 social media way to roll out nominees i thought it was very cool
4: i'm off social media right now i had to, i had to delete ig the last couple of weeks max it's, it was it was a little crazy you know getting into 2020 but you can tell the, the broad approach, you know, in terms of like who they want to include in,
9: in their awards. Yeah, we always put our, our flair on on our uh, awards, and I, and I really do appreciate that. Um, I wish that we would put more emphasis on receiving awards from within our own community and not putting so much, um, you know, uh, having so much desire to be recognized and acknowledged and validated by people outside of our community. So um, did you guys feel like anyone was excluded? Uh, any projects that you thought, you know, would have been nominated that were not? you know, looking at the NAACP
7: Image Awards, I saw most of what I expected to see. Like when I looked through the list, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, that makes sense. Um, I wanted Michaela Cole to be nominated with the, you know, she got nominated in like comedy series and she got nominated in um, dramatic series. And, uh, you know, I wanted her to be nominated for all the things, because I really loved that show. the good brother who's, who's joining us i mean i thought i thought his film should have been included in there you know not a snub necessarily but i i, I would have it it impacted so much in dc probably because you know i'm in dc and I, the people in that were talking about it i was happy with a lot of what i saw like i love power book two Ghost. i mean as crazy as that show is i was happy to see that there just because it <laughs> yeah, entertains yeah. me so much so i enjoy it. I, I, I saw what i wanted to see there for the most part
9: you know, like you were saying, Brother Panama, many felt that uh Michaela Cole was snuff for her HBO show, uh, I May Destroy You. Spike Lee did not receive any nominations for the Five Bloods. Uh, you know, was we, we were fortunate though to see Chadwick get a nomination for my Rainy's Black Bottom. Uh however, there was no snowfall uh in the Golden Globe nominations as well. Was there anyone else that you guys feel feel were snuffed? I thought that
7: Leslie Odom was snubbed for his performance in Hamilton like Lin-Manuel Miranda got a nomination for like best role. And I thought Leslie Odom was actually the
9: star of that of that uh, of Hamilton. Also Lovecraft, you know, uh, as 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 a best show was not nominated. I was surprised by that. I You know, I, I love Lovecraft Country. What were your thoughts on on Lovecraft this past year?
4: lovecraft man you know um i enjoyed it just kind of for all the things that it brought which felt so you know what i mean like new in many ways fresh you know it's like high energy black as hell you know what i mean but at the same time like i did feel like it was rushed i, I think it was great but i wish they would have had you know more seasons
9: see i like it though i like the pace sometimes television shows hmm. take a long developed and i like to get into the meat early on uh an, an example of that recently is like wandavision right like wandavision those first like two or three episodes it's like damn like where is the actual story and then it breaks open and it was like ah you could have consolidated those first three episodes into maybe into into two at most and uh we could have got into the thick of things a little bit quicker but you know i'm an impatient um i'm an impatient viewer so i guess i guess i should shut up uh So, all right, let's talk a little bit about uh, a little bit more about the Golden Globes. Um, It is the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which is comprised of international film and TV journalists. So it's not actors, it's not directors, writers. And if we don't already expect the white academies like the Oscars or Emmys to see us, why should we expect a group of international reporters to understand our stories?
7: I don't expect everybody to get our stories, but I expect them to respect the craft and if you respect the craft like you say you do when you're going to be on some board putting up nominations, and you have to show, you have to give respect where it's deserved in the form of nominations if we're going that road. And I think this is the kind of show that deserved it because of the craft.
4: That's real. You know, there's also like this other element of like how they, the, the different awards trying to carve out different sections for themselves. You know what I mean? They try not to like step where somebody, you know, it's like it's like this weird kind of thing where like You know, things can happen where somebody else giving you play will cause another entity to not give you play.
9: Panama, man. Some of us know how you get down with the Blackest Awards show, uh, the Root's second annual Skippies. So, uh, for those who aren't maybe aware, can you enlighten everyone on the premise and what some of the dope categories are?
7: It's not a show. We just created a set of awards called the Blackest Awards because we couldn't, you know, what better name than the Blackest Awards because that's what we're doing. And uh, our goal entirely is to celebrate blackness, like, blackness that you might not otherwise celebrate so for instance we have a clifton powell lifetime achievement award that we give out every year right because (laughs) clifton powell also from dc i love clifton powell man clifton powell never gets his flowers you know what i'm saying so what better way to give him an award that we give out in his name every year uh we change up the awards so we have like this year the wendy williams wigs and wizardry with weave award where we're gonna uh, um, acknowledge people who have do wonders in the world of like hairdos and stuff on these TV shows. Um, the that's so 20 award for stuff we didn't expect to happen in 2020 nominees are like Jeezy and Gucci Mane being on stage together. No. Um, yeah. you know Will Smith and Janet Hubert Witten reconciling on the fresh Prince reunion. So we, you know, we basically, we have a best versus, you know, we're doing that cause where else is that? That's not going to show up at the golden globes, but that stuff mattered to us. Voting is running now, and it's it's entirely a uh, fan vote, right? So it's up on the Roots oh, right. website, theroot.com, and very smart, brother. So everybody can go and vote. Voting ends tomorrow, actually, uh, February fifth at midnight. February fifth, vote through tomorrow, and awards will be announced on the February 15th.
9: Uh, Marawi, your film uh, Residue is being distributed by Ava DuVernay's Array. Can you tell a little? Can you tell us a little bit about what Array is and what it does for the Black film community? Hey, Rep, you rapping.
4: Yeah, got to, got to. Yeah, man, Array is critical. It is critical for somebody like Ava DuVernay to exist with her company Array, you know, operating at such a high level, you know what I mean? Putting out six films in one year, you know what I mean? Landing on in the same competition list as like Tenet and other films, you know what I'm saying? It's really incredible what they accomplished because I don't don't know if people understand like, you know, the distribution game is cutthroat, you know what I mean? And 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 it's like really a bunch of massive, you know, corporations, you know what I mean? They're really tussling with behemoths, you know what I mean? And so like to get into that space and create, you know, this kind of biche which which they've done to allow, you know, black stories to really flourish on platforms like Netflix and stuff is really next level. And I think that like they have to be supported at all costs, you know what I mean, at all costs.
9: Fellas, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, man. I want to say thank you both very, very much for giving us your time this afternoon, uh, giving us that candid conversation about this award season, man, because it was a lot going on. But I think at the end of the day, we just going to have to focus our attention on the NAACP Image Awards this year. Uh, brother Marawi, uh, congratulations again on an amazing film. Uh, look forward to seeing what else Thanks. you do, brother. Panama. I'm looking forward to the Skippies listen we're gonna take a quick break and then ebony returns for this week's black excellence with special guest scott evans more revolt black news after this
0: welcome back to revolt black news all right it's time for my favorite segment this week's black excellence and entertainment this week joining me y'all know him from access hollywood welcome to the show scott evans
8: hey ebony thank you for having me
0: oh thank you brother speaking of warner brothers new film the little Things, starring denzel washington has become Kind of a big thing, despite a global pandemic and 45% of US theaters being reopened, the Denzel-led thriller is bringing in Big Bank. Yes, it's already brought in 4.5 million in its opening weekend and 7.6 million worldwide. Now, I can't wait to see this film, Scott. Are we seeing that Denzel might be pandemic proof?
8: Might be, might be. Okay, (laughs) there's a reason why, there's a reason why uh, he was just named by the New York Times and a few other uh, news outlets and organizations the greatest actor of the 21st century, right? Mm, he, he has yes. a way of only just so, not only selecting projects, but help, helping to also boost the project to a different level. Uh, he co-stars mm-hmm. in this one with Rami Malek and Jerry Leto, and it's one of those like um, uh, murder mysteries, whodunit kind of situations. Mm-hmm. So it's the perfect movie to cozy up on the couch with your boo, Right? <laughs> Shut the <laughs> yeah. blinds. Get some get snacks. You know what I'm saying? Pop you some popcorn right. or whatever you, your, your, your preferred snack is. But it also has this way of removing you from whatever drama you're living in and just getting in, engrossed in what's happening on the screen. Now, it's not happening, the movie wasn't released without some criticism, but I'll mm-hmm. say it's the kind of criticism that makes you want to go check it out for yourself so I wouldn't be surprised if this movie continues to grow, if it continues to, to to nail it at the box office. And it's doing something that a lot of other movies haven't really been able to do um, where the movie industry is trying to figure out in a pandemic, how do we, you know, the, like you said, the theaters aren't really open. Can we do this streaming thing mm-hmm. as well as the brick and mortar theater? Like where, where can we win? So I think we're, we're the verdict's still out on that one, but Denzel, no, nah, that's a solid Yes.
0: All right. Now, continuing the silver screen hits straight to our home screens in this case, Black Judas. Yes, y'all. Scott, I cannot wait to see this film. I've been waiting on it for months now. Black Judas officially hits theaters and simultaneously drops on HBO Max in February, on February 12th, rather. Now, the film, of course, tells the story of William O'Neill. Now, that character is played by Lakeith Stanfield, one of my favorites. Uh, and that is an FBI agent who, after a plea deal, infiltrates the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. And there, he meets the leader of that chapter, Fred Hampton, played brilliantly by Daniel um, Kaluuya. Now, are we here for this? I know I am, Scott. Uh, How excited are you about this film?
8: Here's the thing. I'll say the the film is already being called one of the best, if not the best film of the year. Uh, There there are um, various uh film festivals that gave it the kind of like you are our crown jewel kind of situation i will say i'll say this i am always impressed by daniel kaluuya i'm always impressed by lakeith they give you performances they give you varied characters they're not doing the same guy over and over and over um and so i really appreciate their choice their the choices that they make in their career they also are giving bringing a story that is a part of this country's history, not just black Mm. history, right? But it is a part of black history that a lot of black people are unfamiliar with. And I believe it was Nina Simone who said um, uh, that I can remember most famously um, that she believed it was her duty to by hook or crook to entice black people enough to Mm. develop a, a curiosity about their history about our history, yeah. about where we came from, why we came from, to know who, more about who we are and why we are so that we can better love ourselves, right? Mm. And then, and and, and um, push for the next steps.
0: Something else I'm here for, dance legend, Alvin Ailey. He's uh, the subject of a new uh, documentary, uh, Yes, being picked up by Neon, uh, from the Sundance Film Festival. Now this documentary is gonna focus on Alvin Ailey's life, his activism, and of course the incredible influence that he's had on the dance world at large and the black dance world Mm -hmm. in particular. Now, Alvin Ailey famously said this, dance is for everybody. And I believe that the dance came from the people and that it should always be delivered back the people uh sky i don't know about you but i am still uh when you say alvin ailey i immediately go back to fifth grade and seeing revelations uh you know Mm -hmm. in our school auditorium and just all the beautiful things of alvin ailey's legacy how excited are you about this documentary
8: when i read that i always say for everybody because you know we know from misty copeland she was told very early on the the first black principal ballerina for um the american um Uh, ballet. Yeah,
0: yeah, ballet theater.
8: Mm -hmm. um, uh, That her body wasn't conducive. For ballet. Mm
0: -hmm.
8: For ballet. And so to see these bodies that you are so familiar with because it's your aunties, it's your uncles, it's your cousins, it's your brothers, it's your mamas, right? To be dancing in these ways, telling these stories, it was um, one of those experiences that really like it lifted you up out of your own scenario and situation. And it made you believe and remember that you are worth something, that you Mm -hmm. are somebody. And so to be able to see more of his story and his legacy captured in this way, I cannot wait.
0: Okay, so also Macro has acquired comedian Clint Coley's The World Series of Spades. Now the series originally aired on Amazon Prime and Facebook Watch. And now, with the help of Macro, it's going to be developed into a premium version consisting of both celebrity and non-celebrity teams. Uh, what do we think about that, Scott?
8: Here's the thing: you, when you said premium content, so now we're now we're figuring out how do once we hit, have you here, how do we enrich mm-hmm. your experience so you spend a little bit more money and a little bit more time. Right. And so mm-hmm. that it, it, the, the story must be captivating. It must be compelling. It must be interesting. And I think you're going to see people respond to it. I think you're going to see mm-hmm. a lot of uh, um, uh, uh, stage plays. Um, uh, you know, since Broadway is, is in, in a COVID pandemic situation, right. it can't be what we've known it for Broadway. I think you're going to see a lot of different avenues try to figure out how we bring our experience to a different screen, how we bring our experience through a different medium. And I think digital is gonna be 100% the way.
0: Now last but never least, yeah, Miss Bianca uh, Belair. She's becoming the first black woman winner of the WWE's Women's Royal Rumble since its inception back in 2018. Now Bianca also becomes the first black winner of any Royal Rumble since the The Rock. Scott won it back in 2000. So we're talking about over 20 years in the making here. Uh, Bianca also now heads to WrestleMania for the championship main event match. I gotta tell you this WWE stuff, it is a legendary and it will take a brand from this to like all over the place, right? So I'm excited for this sister.
8: Yeah, and and it's a lot of work that is involved. Mm. You know, people talk about WWE, Excuse me, people who talk about WWE and aren't necessarily fans or knowledgeable knowledgeable about the impact that it makes for these individuals need to get hit to it because think nope. about the fact that The Rock, Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, to the point where he had to come back to his wrestler alter ego because he couldn't escape him, you know what I'm saying? Nope. And it's now- well, why would you want a-
0: to? Shit. <laughs>
8: But you never, you know, people try to, you know, you try to branch off, you know, he, he, he went, he did the ball to another head and that, you know, it's like, I want to be able to put this eyebrow down and just give you a roll. Can I do that? And the fans were like, yeah, no, but you're still going to nope. be the rock to us. You're still going to mm-hmm. be the rock to us. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what she does. I'm excited to see how um the, the corporation, the business that is WWE, how they rally mm-hmm. around her, no matter what the outcome is at WrestleMania. Uh, and I'm also excited to see her whoop, some tail
0: because what she don't do is play around in that ring oh no we're not about to lose that's not gonna happen so um yeah we're excited <laughs> for this system. all right Scott, thank you so much for helping me break down this week's black excellence and entertainment we always appreciate you joining Now we've got more revolt black news after this so stay with us
5: welcome back to revolt black news i'm mia imani and i'm here to moderate a conversation about owning black businesses in the beauty and hair care space and with me today, I have two entrepreneurs who have found a way to continue to succeed amidst a global pandemic. I have the CEO of Butterskin, Dorian Renaud, as well as the owner of Rucker Roots, Ellen Rucker. All right, and I would like to welcome the both of you to today's show.
1: Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you for
5: having us. Well, today we're just going to jump right in. I want to touch on the topic that a lot of people will say is taboo within our community, but as we know, it is extremely prevalent. Um, so we're going to be talking about colorism. And when it comes to hair care, we're actually going to be kind of talking about texturism. So I want to know how would you all say that your brand is showing up for all textures, as well as shades in your marketing, as well as your messaging efforts?
10: you know, started our brand um, Rucker Roots about uh, six years ago. And our mission was to provide a wonderful natural hair care, you know, hair care products for all hair types and textures. Being in that hair care Um, industry, you know, we realize that we've, you know, come a long way, but we still have a ways to go. And um, every day we try to, you know, push our message to make sure that we're inclusive of all hair types and textures. We really focus on ingredients that are great for all different hair types and textures. And that's really one of our main um, missions at Rucker Roots. At
1: Butter, you know, I think you know, we start with melanin. And so melanin comes in all different shades and tones. And I grew up in the South in Beaumont, Texas, and my mother was a brown woman and my dad was a Creole man who, you know, was mixed with a little bit of everything, but I had everything around me. And through our company, we have, you know, I'll say for me, it's been really important to highlight all shades, colors, sizes, especially through our campaigns and really, you know, show, our skin in the best light and show our melanin and show that it comes in many different shades. And so, you know, when it comes to the topic of colorism, um, when it comes to butter, you know, we represent every bit of melanin. So, you know, I can't speak for hair care, but, you know, when it comes to us, it's really important that I show every tone of uh, black and brown.
5: So we've been, you know, um, in this pandemic now almost a year. So I want to know, how would you all say that the pandemic has affected your business or has impacted your business? Um, Have you all been strengthening your e-commerce and your digital marketing efforts? Like, what are some ways that you've had to pivot and, you know, how has this this pandemic impacted your business?
10: When the pandemic uh, started back in March, uh, Rucker Roots, you know, we were um, going into some new retailers and um, really, you know, um, off to a great start. Um, And things just kind of, you know, came to a halt a little bit because everybody, you know, had stopped going into, you know, the stores. But Um, Luckily, our e-commerce, our website just boomed. You know, it just really um, grew and we started putting a lot of focus on our our retailers that had our products um, in in uh, online as well, and so we, um, you know, just just kind of you know diverted some of our attention to e commerce, focusing on getting products to um, customers, you know, in the home because people weren't going to the stores. Um, you know, now that. You know, it's opened up a little bit more, you know, retailers are a little bit more willing to bring in the brand and, you know, have the brand on shelves because there is a little bit more foot traffic. But, you know, we we just really had to, you know, adjust to Um, The change and one of the biggest things was like sourcing components, you know, bottles and caps and and things that we were just so so used to just, you know, ordering up and getting it within, you know, um, weeks time a lot of these manufacturers that were making the plastic bottles, they were, you know, saying, oh, we're only, you know, doing bottles for hand sanitizer. We're not running your amber, dark, dark amber bottle. And so, you know, just trying to figure out and navigating our way through through those um, challenges and obstacles, you know, that was the biggest thing for us, just to make sure that we had the inventory um, so that we can get it out, you know, to our customer.
1: Um, I would say our business definitely um, started booming during the pandemic. I think everybody was really taking time to, you know, take care of their skin. They were at home a lot. And, and um, we saw growth that I just couldn't even imagine, to be honest with you. Um, and I thought that, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, we would see a lot of growth around supporting black businesses. but. It's been amazing to see a lot of those customers stick around. I think that, you know, mm-hmm. with, with, within the beauty business, a great thing about, you know, what me and Ellen do, and it's, it's, it's if it's good, they're coming back. So I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, it was a really good time to really get that out to, like, a lot of names, a lot of celebrities to get traction. And we really had the attention of everybody on their phone. So if you really took advantage of digital marketing and, you know, um, we are a straight direct-to-consumer were also sold on Amazon, HSN, and a few other retailers. But, you know, we found that our direct-to-consumer, you know, went through the roof because people were really at home taking care of themselves. So, although the pandemic was, you know, all over the place, it was good for business, I should say. I never even thought that I would be in the beauty industry. Like, sometimes I'm like, what am I doing here? You know, like, what am I doing here right now? (laughs) But, We all have our own vision and our own depiction of beauty. And so why not have a man like myself in that space as well? And, you know, I can see beauty through my lenses and through my brand as well, too.
10: I love to see um, the celebration of black, um, black women, black men, um, melanin. I think that it has come from the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, the fact that we are celebrated, and we're you're seeing um, our faces on ads, you're seeing our faces more um, out there, and so that's really promising um, because I think that it, that there is room for you know um, for more brands. Um, I have seen a lot of celebrities with, you know, hair care companies as well as a lot of hair care companies, uh, black owned hair care companies, um, being started and there is room for everyone. And, um, and just seeing more of us being represented, you know, um, that's very important. Ellen and
5: Dorian, thank you so much for joining me in this amazing conversation. We appreciate you and your time. All right, back over to you, Ebony.
0: All right, panel, thank you so much for that perspective on colorism. And that leads to the question, what exactly can we do about colorism? Well, there's something called Project Colorism, and at that link below, you can dive into this research project that is dedicated to sharing the stories of people experiencing colorism, exploring the level of agency that they feel about addressing it, and the strategies that they've developed and built to shield themselves and their self-worth from colorist expressions. You can contact Project Colorism for an interview where you can share your experience as well as browse their Instagram page where they share other people's experiences. Because y'all know it's one thing to talk about colorism, but it's another thing to do something about it. For Revolt Black News, I'm Ebony K. Williams. See you next time.